This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, friends, and welcome to Season 3 of Quit Your Day Job. I am your host, Alicia Fernandez-Miranda. In this podcast, you'll learn all about the fascinating jobs that people do, some that you might never have even heard of, as you contemplate your own possibilities. I started this podcast because I've always been fascinated by jobs. I even quit my own day job to spend a year as an intern, and you can read all about it in my new book, My What If Year. It's out now and can be bought everywhere books are sold. Or head over to my website, aliciafmiranda.com, for more info. In these times of quiet quitting and great resignations and loud quitting or whatever, I think more people than ever want to follow their passion. Everyone on this podcast has, and I encourage you to do the same. Hello, my Quit Your Day Job friends. I am so excited to introduce you to my guest today, whose job I would really say is a crowning achievement. You'll see what I did there in a minute. I've got Rachel Birchfield on with me today, and Rachel is a writer, an editor, and a podcaster, primarily covering fashion and beauty, society and culture, and most especially, the British royal family. She is the current royals editor at Marie Claire, where she covers the latest in the royal family and celebrity news, and she's the editor of What Meghan Wore, a site dedicated to the Duchess of Sussex's wardrobe, lifestyle, and work. Rachel is also a podcaster, which is how we met. She's the co-host of Podcast Royal. I was not on that podcast, but she's also the host of I'd Rather Be Reading, which spotlights her current reads, and she very gratefully featured my What If Year on an earlier episode. You can check that out as well. But for now, sit back and listen to Rachel tell us everything we need to know about reporting on the royal family. Quit your day job. Welcome. Rachel, to the call. Rachel, thank you so much for joining me today. I am so excited that you're here. It is an honor to be here. Thank you so much for asking me. I know it's early in the morning where you are and sort of mid-afternoon where I am, but Mm -hmm. I really couldn't resist. You interviewed me for your podcast, I'd Rather Be Reading, and we're going to talk about that today. And then when I found out what you did, I was like completely fascinated. And I mentioned this to (laughs) Sherry from the Zibby Books team who really loves the royal family. And she was like, oh my God, this is the podcast episode I'm going to be most excited about. I might be paraphrasing you here, Sherry, if you're listening to this. No pressure, Sherry. No pressure, Sherry. No, I I was telling you offline a moment ago, you think I would be used to these 7 a.m. calls, right? Because I do this all the time because so much of my work is in the UK. I'm just not a morning person and will probably never be used to this hour. But for you, I will, Alicia. For You're you, so I will. sweet. Well, I'm just so glad we connected with our yeah. shared love of books and tiaras. And I'm very excited to get into this chat. Me too. Let's do it. Um, now we're going to start out with a little this or that round. I had fun with this one for you. Five questions. Very okay. simple. Okay. Uh, tell me your answer and uh, give me a little bit of an explanation if you, okay. if you wish. Okay, this is fun. 
Yeah. Okay. This is like a good warm up for you at 7 a.m. <laughs> Absolutely. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, okay, this will do it. This will do it. This is going to wake you up. All right. <laughs> question one Megan or Kate? Okay. So this question is one that I'm actually going to not answer because I am so pro not being that person because that my whole career, I've been asked that question. And I say this very respectfully, Alicia, but it, you know, I don't like pitting women against women and these two women. I mean, I like, I can tell you privately my feelings about <laughs> both of them, but you know, I just don't like the exercise of pitting women against women. And when no, I, that's very fair. That's very when cool. I originally started reporting on the Royals was in 2019, I started a blog called the Duchess commentary. And it was about both, both women were duchesses at the time. Kate is a princess now, but it was revolutionary in 2019 even. And it's gotten only worse since then because I covered both Kate and Megan. And there were so few places that covered both women because at that even then they were being pitted against each other. So this is probably the one, and I'm, I'm all about playing the game, but this is probably the one that I will be. Now, if you say William and Harry, I have opinions on that. That's funny. That's my next question, Rachel. So (laughs) you go ahead. Go ahead. William and Harry. Well, well, first of all, I would say, do you have a fashion preference? So I don't mean to kind of pit the individuals against each other. I think that's completely fair and a very yeah. good reminder. Do you have a fashion icon if you had to choose between Megan or Kate? Okay, or now, would that it also will, be the same? now that I will do. I will okay. do that. So I actually love both of their fashion. I co-host another podcast. So you've been on my podcast about nonfiction books, but I co-host a second podcast about the royal family. And my co-host and I sometimes end up in the British tabloids if we're having a rough week. And they (laughs) misquoted us as saying that we did not, we did not like Kate's BAFTAs look, the one with the gloves. Oh, yeah. Alexander McQueen white gown with the black gloves. And so they misquoted us as saying that we, that they thought the, we said, which we did not say for the record, I'm coming on your show. Okay. Breaking news. Before we even say it on our own show, we said that she wasn't a fashion icon. I think Kate is a fashion icon. I actually love both of their fashion. But for me personally, the style that I most emulate is Megan's. So I'm much more minimalistic. I'm much more, you know, crisp button down and jeans. That's much more my style. But I love and truly love and appreciate both women's style. They are both exceptional dressers. And as I'm recording this from you in still my pajamas, I feel like (laughs) my hats are off to both of them for getting out of their pajamas. (laughs) So I completely, I'm I'm with you. Amazing. Okay. Now we're going William or Harry. Okay. So this one I have strong opinions on. So growing up, my entree point into the royal family in the first place was because I had a massive crush on Prince William. And so I'm born in 1986. William's born in 1982. Harry's born in 1984. So it's boom, boom, boom. Mm -hmm. And then of course the women, Megan's born in 1981 and Kate is born in 1982 as well. I grew up always with a huge crush on Prince William. Both men have, to be quite frank with you, disappointed me in recent years. At the moment, I'm very not unimpressed with spare. And so I'm going to have to go with William, although William is certainly not perfect. Okay. So then this is actually, it's almost like you read these questions before because this was I did not. <laughs> a bit of a trick, a bit of a trick one. This is a loaded okay. question, but transitioning your two worlds of kind of love for reading and love for the Royal family. My next uh-huh. this or that was spare or 
my what if year in terms of memoirs out for the first part of 2023. Me, that's not even a question. My what if year by a country mile, by a hundred thousand miles. And I'm not just saying that because present company included. I was just so unimpressed with most of Spare. And I mean, if you all want to listen to my like hour and a half opinions on Spare, there's an episode on that on Podcast Royal, but just the short answer to that question is my what if year and it's not even close. I'm glad to hear it. I mean, obviously you kind of had to say that, but it was everything because like, it was like my book and Pamela Anderson's memoir and Spare, like all coming out within the first few weeks of yeah, 2020. Yeah, no pressure on that. Well, I haven't read Pamela Anderson's memoir yet, but I did see the Netflix documentary about her. And so I am compelled. I do want to read Pamela Anderson's memoir. But of course I read Spare the day it came out in one sitting. That's my job. Ooh. And it was it was a compelling book, but just so much that I think could have ended up on the cutting room floor, which is interesting because he said that so much did end up on the cutting room floor. He said the memoir is about 400 so or so pages. And he said that he had 800 pages. And so wow. he could have had a second book. I can't even imagine what ended up on the cutting room floor <laughs> if what made it into the book is there. So yeah, and it's not just, I would tell you the truth. It's not, if, if he wrote, you know, the best memoir I've ever read, I would have picked Spare, but that is not, it. So. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Now this one's not a this or that. It's just a straight out question. What are you currently reading right now? Okay. Let me look at my bedside table. So a lot of books I read these days are for, are for the show. Are for, I'd rather be reading. But so I'll answer that in two parts. So for the show, at the moment, I am reading a book. I think this comes out in May and it's called Camera Girl. And it's about uh, Jackie Kennedy when she was mm-hmm. still Jacqueline Bouvier before she married JFK. And she was working as the inquiring camera girl for, I think the Washington Post Herald was what it was called at the time. So this is a biography of her pre-marriage. So I find that very compelling for my personal reading, not for the show. I wish I could get John Meacham on the show, but I'm reading And There Was Light by John Meacham, Mm. who is one of my favorites. And this is a book about Abraham Lincoln. So I'm always reading something. Usually I'm reading two books at the same time, one for the show and one for, again, I wish I could book John Meacham on the show. If he's listening and wants to come on, please, I'm reading the book right now, but I'm always, I always have so many books. I mean, my you should see my bedside table. It's stacked <laughs> with books, as you can imagine. All right. My final question then is also similar to that. But is there anything you'd rather be doing than reading? Ooh, I don't know if I've actually ever been asked that question, Alicia. Probably not, honestly. I mean, I really don't think that for a sustained period of time. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I Reading truly is my, my favorite thing to do. It's my passion and it's my escape. So I, I really don't think so. So it's, it's not false advertising on your podcast. No, it's really I not. Think. I mean, the only thing I could think of would be being with loved ones, but I can be with loved ones and read at the same time. So I'm still going to be reading. That's so true. All right. Well, Rachel, you absolutely nailed that. And Brett, I was like very, I was also enlightening. I feel like now everybody's appetite is so wet for what it is you're going to talk about that you do. Oh, and good. you do many, many things. You're yes. a podcaster, you're a journalist, you wear a bunch of different hats. So let's start out by explaining for everybody who's listening, what is it that you do? Ooh, that's a that's a great question because I have a lot of jobs right now and I'm very blessed in my career. I'm just having such a great moment in my career. I'm just riding this wave and I just Alicia, I keep waiting for the royal saga, the royal drama to dissipate and die down and calm down. And then, you know, after spare, I was like, okay, well, it's going to get calm again (laughs) until the coronation. (laughs) 
And then I don't know, we're recording this on March 6th. And so last week it came out that King Charles evicted Harry and Meghan from their UK home of Frogmore. Alicia, I don't know how much you listen to the Royals or follow the Royals, but so forgive me if I'm going like way too inside baseball, but no, no, that give, was, it, that, give it all to us. That was a huge story because essentially he has eliminated their UK home base. So where will they stay? I mean, they will find a place and there's already talks just this is also inside baseball for Charles to give Harry and Meghan an apartment in Buckingham Palace. So they they will come up with something. But that was it also came out that Charles evicted them on January 11th, which is the day after Spare came out. So, so that's not a coincidence. <laughs> that's a retaliatory move. So to answer your original question, what do I do? I think that it can really be summed up in three buckets. I, I have it this way on my website. I'm a writer, I'm an editor, and I'm a podcaster. So on the podcasting side, you've already mentioned, we've already mentioned both of my shows. I'd Rather Be Reading is a show that I solo host, and it is about strictly nonfiction books like yours. You wrote a memoir. It was beautiful. I actually do not have many memoirs on the show, but I said you were the first, actually. I think, Aww. I believe we have 97 episodes as of yesterday and you were the very first, but since you, which was not that long ago, it was just a couple of weeks ago, we've had two more behind you. So we are, we're, this is a burgeoning trend on the show, but I really read in my own life, mostly nonfiction. I, I don't know what that says about me, but I prefer biographies, memoirs, books, wellness books have been huge for me lately. And then my second show is Podcast Royal, which I co-host. That one is just enormously successful, just beyond our wildest dreams. We were in the New York Times earlier this year. And so podcasting is something that we, the Jessica, my co-host and I for that show, learn on the fly. As you know, you know, once once you get it down, it's it you got it. But mm. it's just such a fun skill that I never thought I would that I would ever use. And then, so I'm also an editor at Marie Claire Magazine. I'm the Royals editor for them. And so we always strive to provide the best coverage about this, the Windsors who are driving me crazy, but also <laughs> compelling me and just forever interesting. And then I'm also a writer. So most, most of my work these days is with Marie Claire, but I also have written for Vogue, Vanity Fair, Elle. I mean, you can look at my website, just basically every magazine I ever grew up reading. And so I uh, am working on this really compelling piece right now for Vanity Fair that I just, I'm, I will tell you offline, but it'll come out later this year. And that I, I'm, I'm in my genius zone and having the most fun when I'm doing a long reported, researched piece. So I think out of all three of those, I'm more than anything a writer, but these other two avenues also have just, uh, just bring me so much joy. Just any, my, my purpose in life at the end of the day is I, I love people. And as I get older, that that goes down, that quotient goes down a little bit, but for the most part, I genuinely love people. And I, I love telling the stories of people and that can include celebrities, but that can also include people just like me who, you know, just happen, you know, a person down the street who happens to have a really compelling story. Cause I do believe that everyone has a story and everybody's story deserves to be told. I completely agree with you on that. And I think it's one of the nicest things about putting something out there in the world that you write is that people want to give you something back. And so having that 
privilege to hear other people's stories is just like yeah. the most incredible thing. Yeah, it is an absolute privilege. And I have, uh, I'll tell you an example of a story that this is just a quote unquote normal family from Michigan. I did, I think a six or seven story run on them in People Magazine. And we did a lot of digital stories that eventually ended up in the magazine in January, the print magazine. And it's just the story of this couple from Michigan who could not, the woman could not carry because she had breast cancer. She could no longer carry children. They wanted to expand their family. They used a surrogate. Surrogacy is illegal in Michigan. So they had to adopt their own biological children. Wow. So stories like that, I mean, you wouldn't know their names, Tammy and Jordan Myers. They're not going to be, I mean, maybe they are now because this story has gotten so much attention, but just regular people with compelling stories. And especially when I can tell the stories of quote unquote regular people and use it to change something like hopefully we can change the laws in Michigan. That is when I am really dialed into my purpose. So let's talk about your journalism because I I also grew up desperately wanting to be part of the glossy magazines. And then I can't remember yeah. if this made it into my book or if it got cut on the cutting room floor, but I did an internship at Ocean Drive Magazine in high school and was told uh -huh. by all of the journalists, like, this is the worst job ever. Do not go into this field. And so I, <laughs> I kind of ended up going in a different direction. But I just, I've always, you know, I, I grew up in that same, I'm only a little bit older than you. Like I grew up loving glossy magazines, uh -huh. loving those stories uh -huh. and that uh -huh. really being so formative for me, like in my years. So tell me a little bit about how you got into journalism and then how you really kind of honed your specialty. Sure. Well, I have, so there are, you can't see me right now, but there are people with linear paths where, you know, it's just like a straight line and, and then, you know, everything just works out for them and it's good for them. And then there's me with like this jagged path all <laughs> over the place, like loop-de-loops and Those all are the most interesting ones. So don't that, worry Every it. time that something like, you're right, every time something like that happens, I say, well, there goes another 10,000 copies sold of my memoir. <laughs> but um, so I've always, you know, it's so funny because I've heard this said before, but I think that we a lot of us know exactly what we want to be when we're children. Few of us ever actually pursue that. And so I knew I wanted to be a writer from the time I was probably four years old. My grandfather was in newspaper publishing. And so I was always so compelled to see the printing press and see the, the process of a newspaper being made. And I would sit there at four years old and make my own little mini newspapers. And then I started writing for my school newspaper, I think when I was in middle school. And I was, you know, all throughout high school and went on and got my journalism degree at the University of Kansas. And I, like you, I think, like you said, we're roughly the same age. I grew up in the 90s very much. You know, I mean, that's the boom of glossies mm -hmm. in the 80s and 90s are just fashion magazines, big, thick, fat fashion magazines. I mean, now the only one that looks even remotely like that is the September issue of Vogue. But mm. all of them used to be just so rich and, and they're rich in content still, but they're not maybe rich in size if they're even printing at all. That's the thing is that most fashion magazines are, are not even in print anymore. And so I went to journalism school and actually it's interesting that you say that as much as I love glossies, 
I, and as much as I loved writing, I actually grew up wanting to be a broadcast journalist. So that was, Ooh. my dream was always to be Katie Kirk and to be on the Today Show. And so I went to Kansas and the way that the journalism school is there is they have two tracks. It's either news and information, which you can take the print route, you can take the broadcast route. And that's what I did. That I was mm-hmm. a news and, and info grad. And then there is strategic communications or stratcom. And that was more the PR marketing side, like what you do, Alicia. Mm-hmm. And so I was news and info. So I graduated from college in two. 2009. And if you remember what was going on at that time in the States, we were right in the thick of the Great Recession. Yeah, that's right. And so the work that I wanted to do, and I, and I, by this time, by the time I got to college, I, I really still wanted to do broadcast, but I was also incredibly interested in print as well. I always loved to write. And so even my staunchest journalism professor said, you need a backup plan. You need to go to graduate school because newspapers are dying. Magazines are dying. Mm. You need a backup plan. So I did. So I went to graduate school at Ole Miss, the University of Mississippi. And I got, and when I was in college, I was very involved in college. I was senior class president. I was in on the, I was in a sorority. I was on Panhellenic Association. I was a vice president of that on and on and on. And so I had gotten exposed to the career of higher education, which you know, you don't really get exposed to until you're in college. Those are the folks that are running student life and doing the more, like there's the faculty, but then there's also the staff of the university. And so I was really compelled. I wanted to be a Greek life director. And then I I ended up leading Greek life at Ole Miss, which was an experience in and of itself that I never talk about. It was only 18 months and I was like 24 years old and just so young and so dumb. But anyway, so I went to grad (laughs) school, went to grad school for higher education administration, graduated from there in 2011, and then had a completely, like you talk about quitting your day job, had a completely different career for I think six years. And so, and, but I always was writing on the side. I was always freelancing, but anyway, lo and behold, I I will make this the cliff notes version, but I had this career. I was very happy in it. I was, I was very comfortable is, is, is probably the better way to put it. I, I was not doing my passion work, but I was certainly not unhappy. And I, got into a very serious relationship and, you know, I'll spare you the sob story, but that relationship ended and I cut and I was, I had just turned 31 and I just kind of had a quarter life crisis. And I Mm. was like, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Because at the moment you're at rock bottom and it wasn't just because a relationship ended. Trust me, I've had many, many relationships. Mm. And if every one of those did that to me, it would, I would be done for by now. But basically it was just, it was, I had moved for him. I had moved across state lines. I had uprooted my life. And so I was just having a moment of reckoning. What do you want to do for the rest of your life? And I said, you know what? It's time. I want to become a full-time writer. So in late 2017, I did that. I was a business journalist for almost four years. And then I became a full-time freelance writer. And so this was during COVID. So COVID is obviously a time that none of us would ever want to replicate again, but it was a freelancer's dream because they, all of the magazine companies, Hearst, Meredith, Condé Nast, all of them were on hiring freezes. All of the work still needed to be done, Mm, but they didn't have the staff to do it. And so that was actually, it's interesting that Marie Claire was the first national magazine to give me a chance. And so they were my breakout. And then I actually wrote a, a great story that I'm still so proud of about Kim Kardashian's best friend, who is not just Kim Kardashian's best friend. Her name is Allison Statter. She's a brilliant PR exec who you probably know who that is. I've heard Alicia, of her name. She, 
She's blended strategy group out of LA. She's just an absolutely brilliant businesswoman. And so that's what I'm talking about. I love telling the stories. And this is this has become a niche of mine is telling the stories of people that have been labeled like as Kim Kardashian's best friend, but turns out she's a brilliant businesswoman herself. And so just getting women out of the background and out of the shadows and mm. into the light. I love doing that. So long story short, ended up with Marie Claire and just are, I'm now here and just in a dream moment in my career. And then we added the podcast in and podcast Royal debuted in 2020. I'd rather be reading debuted in 2021. And so just kind of keep adding. I wrote my first book in 2022. I actually ghost wrote that book, which I was a good experience, but I'll never do it again. I'm putting mm. my name on the cover next time. And so, I mean, you know, the experience of writing a book and how arduous that can be. And so, yeah. but I'm, I'm an example. I, I feel like I left out some parts, but th- that was long enough. But the bottom line is you're never too old. It's never too late. And you can do whatever you want to in this life if you're willing to put the hard work behind it. And I'm so, I'm 36 now. I feel like I'm just kind of, if, if I'm an airplane, I'm just kind of taking off right now. I'm not even at cruising altitude yet and I'm 36 and I'm just getting started. I'm having the time of my life. So it is just never too late to pursue that dream that's been nagging at you. You can have a completely different career like I did for so many years. Totally. And it's just, it, just go after it. Anything oh my God, possible. that makes me so happy. I love hearing that story. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. So. You and you also kind of came to covering the Royals at a very like exciting time. I mean, if you watch no the crown, there's like whole decades where just really boring stuff happened. But actually, yeah. the past few years, for anybody who enjoys following that gossipy element of it, which I will totally raise my hand and say that I do, it's uh-huh. it's been so. It's been a really juicy time. It's also been a really interesting time. I am technically a British citizen. Well, no, I am a British citizen as well yeah. as an American citizen. Yeah. But even, you know, like even being over here, I think a lot of the questions that are coming up, it's like been such a fascinating time. So you said you had a crush on Prince William growing up. Yes. I yes. also did. What okay. What was your, have you always been interested in the royal family? You know, it seems quite different from your interest in normal people. They're like sort of the, I'm sure they're all normal people, but they have very abnormal lives. So I have to have the normal people to offset these wild Windsors that are over (laughs) in London or in California or wherever they are. No, I've always been interested in the Royal family. It's so interesting because I grew up with a crush on Prince William. He was my very first crush. My mom was in love with Princess Diana, as was I. And, you know, we grew up, I can just remember in our living room, my mom had like this it was like a decorative tin. Um, I don't even know how to explain it. Like it was like a foot, like it was just, oh gosh, how would I like, just like a 
I don't even know how to explain that. It's just a tin. Like we put all of our magazines in it. Right. And just my mom just had stacks on stacks on stacks. Like, and I would always read her magazines and, and look at the photos. And um, and she subscribed to People, which uh, the aforementioned People, which has always been a leader in royal coverage. And I remember I was born in 1986. So I was probably comprehending these stories in my, you know, child comprehension by probably 93 or 94, which if you remember back then was like the height of, you know, Charles and Diana had seven separated the yeah. Camilla and Charles affair, all of it. And so, I mean, I, I remember everything about the night Diana died. I mean, I, that is as seared in my memory as nine 11 or any other, you know, any other big moment from, from the nineties or early two thousands. But yeah, I mean, I was, I remember, I mean, now, now of course the nineties is back on the crown and so on and so forth. I mean, it's just, it's still incredulous to me that in two months from today, actually on May 6th, Camilla, Camilla, the former Camilla Parker Bowles will have a crown on her head and will be crowned queen. I mean, it's crazy, what, right? Yes. <laughs> like for the, for those that remember the nineties, like as it happened, the, the thought that this is happening is crazy. So, so yeah, I mean, they had always been an interest of mine. And actually I wrote about them so much on my personal Facebook that one of my Facebook friends was like, I don't, I mean, I think she was interested in the Royal. So she wasn't like, stop writing about this. We're so sick of reading this. But she was like, why don't you create a blog? Because you keep writing these in-depth posts on your Facebook. Why don't you create a blog? And so I did. So that's when the Duchess commentary happened. And that was really my first foray into Royal reporting. That was 2019. I had no idea that within a year, Harry wow. and Meghan would have walked away as working members of the royal family and just everything that has happened since then. So I've been doing this since May. My very first royal story was my opinion on Archie's name. And he was born May 6th of 2019. So it's been almost four years and it has oh been God. a wild ride and journey. And I don't even know if I answered your question, but yes, it has been a life. I, I remember the nineties. I mean, there's the nineties are so out front right now, but I remember all of it happening the first time around. And, yeah, it's true. Which know, is weird actually to see it happening it again and being like, um, <laughs> well, they're filming season six of the crown right now. And some, and some photos are coming out from the set. And I saw the recreation of, I think that it was, oh, the boys, I don't know if it was from like the walking in the funeral or what, but the, the actors playing Prince William and Prince Harry were in these coats. And it was just like, I remember that, like, I remember these things happening in real time. And so it just to be so immersed in retelling this story is, is full circle. So talk me through like your process. So you wake up on an average day. Are you mm -hmm. looking at a bunch of gossip websites? Are you looking at you like inside sources? Like how are you kind of sourcing the content, figuring out what you want to write about and then kind of moving forward and writing about it? Yeah. So I think the first thing that I always do is I try to also do a, an, a sweep the night before just to kind of figure out, because, you know, the UK is six hours ahead of me. And so I try to figure out what's bu what's buzzing. And then in the morning I wake up and by, by this time it's about mid-afternoon in the UK. And so I always do a sweep of what's being spoken about. I do have a lot of really great sources that I've cultivated over the years. I mean, I think I've um, I've got, we've got Sally Bedell Smith coming on podcast Royal in April. And I think she's one of the last Royal experts that I have not interviewed. And so I'm about to interview her and about her new book coming out. And I mean, I just have been so fortunate to interview 
pretty much every royal and and people call me a royal expert. I don't like that title because I I'm a royal reporter, a royal correspondent. I would never call myself an expert and and I don't know at what point I will because god, I write about these people a whole lot. <laughs> but, um, but I but I really trust you know, the Robert Lacey's who he is the historical consultant on the crown or the Sally Bedell Smith's or the, you know, Robert Jobson's or Katie Nichols. I mean, just it's those, those folks are the Royal experts to me, but you know, I, I just, if I'm doing a longer reported piece, I'll use, I'll use those sources, but yeah, I mean, it's just constantly keeping your ear to the ground about what's going on and there's never a shortage. I mean, I just truly think there's going to come a time where we're going to have nothing to say and (laughs) it's just never happened yet in almost four years of reporting. And, uh, you know, just, it just depends on the piece. Some of them, like I said, are longer reported and researched. A lot of them are quick, quick pieces about, you know, this, that, or the other. And so, um, but we always strive to give the best in, in Royal reporting well-sourced, whether it's from us or from another outlet that we of course give credit to. And so we just always strive to be balanced too. I mean, we, it's, it's interesting. I was talking to my mom about this, that I get nice emails sometimes and I appreciate those and I wish more of those would come, but I get hate mail a lot. Oh my God. And and you know you're doing it right as a royal reporter when one piece of hate mail says, obviously you work for Meghan Markle. All you do is praise her. And then the next <laughs> will and then the next will say, Why do you hate Meghan Markle so much? And so, or you like so 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 no one like it's never it's never all one way. So so I get it, so I get it from both sides, which means I guess that I'm doing my job right because I try to provide like like your very first question. I try to not pick sides, I try mm-hmm. to be fair and balanced. And just really neutral. Of course, I have my own personal opinions, but really, if if both women, for example, asked me to tea or to dinner, I would say yes because I'm very interested and respect both of them for different reasons. You had like a surreal experience. I know that a lot of this happened during COVID when you probably couldn't really leave leave your house. But has there been something that's happened and you've just been like, oh my god, this is crazy that I know this or I get to do this or something like that? Uh, yeah, uh, in December, I don't even know if you know this, Alicia, but I don't think I do. So tell me. <laughs> yeah. So Kate and William visited Boston in December and I got to sit, uh, for about 90 minutes in the same small room with Kate. I mean, and just what? like, like the way that these tours work is you get to watch Kate at work. So I was the pool reporter assigned to watch her at work at Harvard. They She visited Harvard, the early, I, I will butcher the name of this, the Center for Early Childhood Development or something like that. And I got, now this room was small. It was, I mean, I don't have the dimensions, but it was, it was a tiny conference room. And I got to watch her at work with uh, sitting around a table with five researchers about early childhood development, which is one of her passion projects. And I was the only print reporter in the room because I was, I don't know if you know, I mean, I'm sure you do know how pool, how pool reporting works, Mm. but I was, so no pressure. I mean, I was the only one that was with her. There were some camera, there's some photographers and some uh, broadcasters in there, but I was the only print reporter and just, I mean, my gosh, just being able to be in the same small room with her for an extended period of time. And then she did a surprise walkabout after there were probably about two or 300 people outside of Harvard who had 
come out and it was cold. It was in December. And you wow. can imagine you, you went to Harvard. So, yeah. you know, I would, you know. I would have, I would have still been in my pajamas. I'm probably in the dining hall, whatever. Time yeah, no, it was. it was cold. <laughs> it was cold. And I live in Alabama. So I was freezing. And so she did an impromptu walkabout outside of this building at Harvard. And I got to be on the other side of the barricade. I mean, of course her security was closest to her, but I got to be, you know, right behind the security. So I'm talking like maybe a foot behind her. And it was, it was, and it was just, I'll never have the words for it to, to describe the fervor and the excitement and just the, just the madness of a walkabout with, with the princess of Wales and just to be right behind her and to be in her presence. And she's such a strikingly beautiful woman. She carries herself as the princess of Wales should, and just her grace and dignity and it was incredible. And so I'll, I'll never, and I've, I've also had the opportunity to interview Sarah Ferguson. That was a mountaintop moment for me because she was so raw and candid and real and lovely, but being in the same space as the woman formerly known as Kate Middleton was unbelievable. I mean, you just, that's one of those moments where you're like, how, how I'm, I'm a little girl from Topeka, Kansas. How is this happening. How, how is this my life? And I give all glory to God for that, but I've also worked very hard to get here. And it was just a a moment I'll never forget. Oh my God. That's so, so incredible. Do you think that your opinion of her or how you report about her changed after you met her in person? No, I don't think so because she actually was everything I thought she would be Mm. there. Now there are celebrities that you'll meet that, let you down <laughs> that and and it's never the a-listers people are always like well what's your worst interview and i i mean the a-list people they are where they are because they are they're good people i mean like they they treat people well and you know they know what i'm here to do they know what they're there to do and we just we enjoy the time together and with with kate if I may be, if I may be so bold to call her that instead of Catherine, Princess of Wales, um, <laughs> like like we braid each other's hair every Friday night. But Kate was just everything I hoped she would be, and she just lived up to that. And the thing about me being a print reporter is I don't have a camera in my hand, whether it's you know like taking photos or reporting for a television show. She didn't have to be like she could be off camera with me and not be kind and gracious, but she was absolutely so kind and gracious and dignified. So no, I don't think so. I think she just really was everything I hoped she would be. And I, I just think, you know, I mean, I got a lot of hate mail this weekend actually, cause I wrote a story that Kate won't take your kids to McDonald's. And so, I mean, it's not like I'm <laughs> writing like nothing but PR puff pieces anymore. And um, so yes, one of the pieces though, there was a lot of hate mail this particular weekend, but one of the puff pieces was like, stop trying to make Kate be something she's not. And I mean, I have nothing but full and complete respect for, for her. And she was lovely. And so no, I don't think it changed it at all. I think she just really, was everything I hoped she would be. Rachel, your job is so fascinating. Your coverage is also fascinating. People should listen to your podcasts and read your work. I have loved talking to you. I could do it for another hour, but I think I'll just, I really want the secret gossip that you can't give me while we're recording. So we'll do that at some point. You got it. But you know, you, one thing that I have loved about this chat, Rachel, is that you worked hard to get where you are you didn't start out in this field, but you made that change and you're so 
you know, happy and proud of where you are. I mean, what advice would you give to other people who are listening to this and maybe they really have that passion from when they were younger? Maybe it's a new passion, but they're afraid to try it. What would you tell them to do? I love this question. I would say that to any listener feeling that way, you know exactly what you're meant to be doing, what you want to be doing, what you should be doing, and whatever fears you have that you're not good enough, imposter syndrome, it's too late, whatever it is, throw it out the window. You can do this. You should do this. The world needs you to do this because the world needs people whose hearts are on fire for their work, whose whose hearts are passionate about their work. And so whatever it is that you know in your heart you're supposed to be doing, pursue it because it is possible with enough gumption to make it work in hard work and dialing in and never giving up. Anything is possible and the world is yours and we need passionate people. So go do it. Make a plan. If a little girl from Topeka, Kansas, as I said, can be reading all of these glossies on the living room floor and can then go on to interview Sarah Ferguson or be in the same room as Kate Middleton or insert other celebrity that I don't want to be a name dropper here. If that can happen, then you can do it too. And I don't just say that to blow smoke. I am one of the least, and even still, I live in Birmingham, Alabama right now. And I'm not, they call me in the British tabloids on our rougher weeks, they call me a palace insider, which is hilarious because I've been to London London one time. And so if I can do this work even today from Birmingham, Alabama, the sky's the limit. If you have enough work and passion, hard work, dedication, passion, all of those things that can't be taught, then you can do anything and, and you should do it. So if you needed that boost listener, this is it. Go chase your dreams because they are achievable. Well, I feel very inspired and not just to go watch the crown, but I have loved this chat. Rachel, (laughs) thank you so much for coming. Oh, it's an honor. Thank you for having me. This has been great. Thanks so much for listening to quit your day job. We are produced by Zibby Audio and want to send a huge thanks to Zibby Owens, Chelsea Grogan, and the team at Texture Sound for their support. Don't forget to buy your copy of my What If Year, which is out now. You can also sign up for my mailing list on aliciafmiranda.com or find me on Instagram at aliciafmiranda. It's the best place to hear about future podcasts and, of course, memes about Gilmore Girls. And if you decide to quit your day job, please share that too. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.